Hey you guys, it's me, Wendy Weiss, and it's Dark Tales with me, Wendy Weiss. I am back, finally. I'm so sorry. I was just like, I kept being like, hey, look out for Dark Tales. Hey, watch for Dark Tales. I'm going to put some stories up. Hey, keep an eye out for these stories. And then I never did it. And the reason why I never did it, it doesn't matter because obviously, um, you know, it's gone and dead and uh, it just really doesn't, you know, excuses, excuses. But my excuse is that I didn't have the music for it. And that's one of my favorite parts about this podcast is the music that I put together that is great. It was on a dead computer and I had no idea what I was going to do for the intro music. I didn't want to have this without the music. To be honest, this podcast is a vehicle for this one small clip of intro music. So I didn't know what to do. But then today, very like not too long ago, I had the idea that I would take an old episode and cut the audio from the intro from that one and then use it for other episodes in the future. Fucking genius, right? So that's what I'm doing now. So I'm back. I apologize. Um... I am a giant throbbing wiener, so let's just move on. I'm forgiven. Uh, what's going on? What, do I want to talk about anything? Not really. I mean, what, it's still fucking coronavirus here, right? I don't give a shit. I'm done with it. I don't want to fucking talk about it. I'm done with it. You're done with it. We're all just doing our thing. Um, we all just want to fucking move on, and I don't want to talk about it, okay? Because I don't give a shit. So, done with that. Um, what I do want to talk about is this author of these two stories. I put two of them in the same episode just because I think they, well, one of them's really short. It's like eight minutes long. And that one of them, I did not want to read and put in an episode. And one was like, oh my God, this is so great. I love this story. It's beautiful and it's creepy. And it's one of my favorite stories that I received for this podcast. And I have no idea how the author uh, found this. I may have done it at one point and then just forgotten because it was what, like 10 fucking years ago when I started this. Um, but the guy is from Hungary and um, it shows. I'm just kidding. I have no fucking idea what that means. I've never, I don't think I've ever met anyone from Hungary, but I'm going to assume that they're all creepy based on this. Um, one story is just fucking, I didn't want to read it because it is wild, dude. It's just fucking, you read it and you're like, what the fuck is happening right now? What is going on? I'm revolted. And then I thought, you know what? It's too wild not to put out there. So, you know, it's shorter. It's quick. Just get fucking get through it. Okay. It's, I don't, I'm not going to say it's worth it. I'm not going to promise you that. And it's not that the writing is bad. It's just that it's fucking insane, dude. And, uh, so there's that one. That one's the infant drone. And then the other one, Necro Sheriff, it's just a really good story. The writing is very pretty. The imagery is very pretty and very like, um, um, picturesque, very poetic, but it's poetic in a really meandering way that sometimes makes you wonder if the author has lost his marbles. And I like that. I think that's pretty cool. It's good. It's just good writing that kind of makes you just wonder if the author is okay at home. So yeah, I'm going to keep it short and sweet. I don't really have much else to talk about right now. I just want to get this shit out. I just want to get these stories out in particular, actually. So I'm just going to keep it short and sweet. And um, you know what? Enjoy the stories, guys. Thanks for coming back.
The sheriff, after he was shot and killed by a bandit, couldn't be dragged down from his horse. The corpse was just sitting on that wonderful white steed like it was glued there, and some people said, Look at the good old sheriff. That rabid old fox still can't let go of life. He was a real prig, no doubt about it. So the citizens agreed that anyone who manages to knock out the body from the pigskin could keep the animal. And every man wanted it. What a steed it was. White, like clean canvas, with muscles that were like fat snakes under its skin. But no matter how hard they pushed him or beat him with a spade, no person could drag the old sheriff down. Someone even tried to pry him off with a board, but the wood only cracked. In his final aggravation, a man tucked dynamite under the saddle. The sane almost couldn't stop him from lighting it with his fat cigar. We should bury the fellow in that damn horse on his ass, someone grunted, but no one wanted to dig out a hole that big. And, of course, they still wanted the animal. What a horse. Its hooves were sparkling. Its eyes were bullets ready to explode. As the days and weeks went by, they became used to the sight of the trotting corpse. A writhing tumbleweed detonated by its smell, which also lined up the town's hungry dogs. They followed the sheriff everywhere like some kind of ugly procession, jumping up, trying to bite off some meat from the body. The locals found it quite funny when the dead sheriff showed up in front of the saloon or the grocery. They raised their hats to him, saying, Greetings, sheriff. You look rather worn out. Come, we'll buy you a whiskey. Sometimes dirty-faced children threw stones at him. Every time a pebble hit him, an army of flies like dark smoke raised up. Hungry rats exploded under the horse's heavy hooves like juicy grapes. Sooner or later, he's going to rot away, and the horse will be ours, they burped in the boozer, slapping down their cups. So they waited, with empty porcelain glints in their eyes, open-mouthed, the flies laying their small eggs into their beards. Now and again, someone suggested that they should elect a new sheriff. The desert wind is unpredictable here. It could always carry a new bandit to the town, and what would happen then? They would just stand there powerless. But every time someone volunteered, the white horse loped in front of the building, kicking up the dust to the sky. The sight of the decaying sheriff with that big wound in his chest made the volunteer to change his mind because then he realized that he could also end up like that. No one who wears a star-shaped badge dies peacefully. And yes, the badge... First, someone had to pluck that off the old sheriff, and no one had the stomach for that. Let's just wait. Soon that badge is going to fall down, and then we'll get back to the topic, they decided. But the star didn't fall. No matter how big a rock they threw at him, or how many times they shot at him with their guns, they could only raise the flies. And they were buzzing everywhere crawling into the yawning mouths and biting wounds into the following dogs' noses. Hungry birds above the town, vultures with coat hangers between their beaks, the clothes of the dead hang on them, while beneath, in the cemetery, the sheriff's saloon-doored coffin waits and waits. 
At daytime, it grunts. At nighttime, it howls at the moon. The black paint made of coal dust in the teardrops of the sheriff's old lovers dried and began to peel off. The old lovers? Girls washing themselves in old bathtubs night after night. Flies floating in the white soapy water, making small waves with their tiny yarn legs as they shake and die. And out there in the dark, a white horse gallops without stopping. Flies. Flies in the tub, their wings making foam, the bubbles of dreams explode in the old lover girl's black pubic hairs. Sooner or later, their nipples will rot. You'll see. Greetings, Sheriff. You look rather worn out. Like tumbleweed made of dynamite. Like someone being chewed by the bathtub of hell. The skull of the night echoes. You can hear the water angels. They sing and sing. Old sperm oozes out of them. What nights line behind every dead? The bandit was a young lad. He arrived horseless, just spinning on the ground, rounding into himself as the wind rolled him. Bullets jumped out of his gun. When he got up in the street, he instantly pointed his pistol at an old man who was resting on his porch. The old fella stared at him with blurred eyes, smoking and cawing. Hey, Pop, I need a horse and I need it now. Who's got the finest steed in this rotting place? Asked the bandit. Well, the sheriff, of course, answered the toothless old man, turning away and spitting like he was tasting something bad. But you should forget about that animal, kiddo. Don't tell me what to do, Pop, the bandit grunts and steps closer to the old rocking chair. Now tell me where I can find that nasty son of a bitch. The old man scratches his hairy chin and looks up to the sky. He watches the crazy waltz of the flies and vultures, and he begins to sniff like a dog. You're lucky, my boy, the old man laughs. I believe he's heading this way. The sound of buzzing shakes the air, and the old lovers of the sheriff arrive, the carnival of girls throwing flowers of the cactuses in the air over the empty street, chanting and dancing. Their voices break as the orgasm shakes them, their faces like broken glass in the whorehouse. Dirty little boys follow them, waving the American flag, as wounded dogs bite the stars out of them. Children hitting their drums with stolen bones from the cemetery, and in the black smoke of the flies gallops the sheriff on his beautiful white horse. The good old sheriff, grins the old man in the chair, and then he winks at the bandit with a misty eye. Always showing up if there's trouble. The bandit just stands there with a wide open mouth, gazing at the rotting skeleton with the shiny badge. Dirty clothes waggle on him, and worms squirm in the skull's empty orbits. The procession stops, and they give some space for the rider. The citizens grab each other's hands and begin to sing. God bless the sheriff, the lord of the worms, the eternal. Wherever he steps comes death. Glory is his badge, and it will never fall from his heart. White sperm oozing down the girl's inner tights. Then silence. Only the flies buzz again. The bandit can't believe his eyes. Is this your sheriff? 
The words fall out of the bandit's mouth like small pebble stones. He stares at the dead body for some time, then begins to laugh. Well, this is just a scarecrow, he guffaws, slapping his knees. Then he points the pistol at the corpse and shoots him. The body shakes as the bullets run through, but the carcass doesn't fall off the horse. Your sheriff is a tough guy, I can see that, yells the kid, aiming his gun at the rider again. As the bullets hit the head, slices of bone explode from his shoulder. But still, the body stays on the animal's back. All right, enough of this, growls the bandit, and he walks to the horse. As he comes closer, the smell is almost unbearable, but the sight is even worse. But he sees that the steed is a very wall-set animal. All he needs now is to rid that ugly corpse on his back. Yet he doesn't want to touch it with his bare hands, so he fires into the body at close range, blowing up the sheriff's forehead. Flies flew out from the exploded head, but the body sits enthroned on the animal. So the bandit runs to a porch, picks up a broom, and begins to beat the body with it. He hits it several times, but no effect. He takes deep breaths and throws away the broken broom. The sheriff never leaves his horse, one of the girls say. We never see him off of his saddle. As a matter of fact, he took our cherry on horseback. The other girls began to nod. This is his steed, and it always will be. Oh, really, rattles the bandit and points his gun at the animal. Well, if the good old sheriff doesn't want to let it go, they should rot together. Then he pulls the trigger. The bullet hits the horse's skull, and pieces of brain explode into the bandit's face. The citizens watch in horror as the steed collapses to the ground. And as it falls, the body of the sheriff flies off into the dust. The young bandit laughs wildly, wiping the blood from his face. I'm sure there are other horses in this fucking town. Bring him here. But then... The corpse in the dust opens his mouth, and the air begins to vibrate. A dark mist flies out of the sheriff's throat, an angry storm cloud heading toward the bandit. What the... The guy's voice breaks as the bugs cover his face. He begins to run, and the vultures arrive like dark angels from above. Their sharp claws and beaks tear the criminal's clothes into pieces. Rats and dogs crawl up his legs and then begin to bite his flesh. The citizens watch the scene, open-mouthed. Then they begin to cheer. Hooray for the sheriff, Lord of Decay! Dog kennels shake out the bones of long-forgotten pets. The cactuses grow flowers. Inside them rolls the angry eyes of the unburied dead. In the cemetery, the chained, barking coffin breaks loose hopping up and down as it begins to chase the young man covered with flies and bald birds. It jumps on him like a giant grasshopper and swallows him in one piece. The cap closes. For some time, you can hear the bandits agonizing squirming from inside. Then, like it was cut, his screaming stops. The cheerful crowd picks up the sheriff and begins to throw up the body, up to the sky. Let the angels shine his badge. 
The good old sheriff, grins the old man in the rocking chair. Always showing up when the rats begin to burn, when the demons get foul with the barrel of the gun, and then someone bathes out the feather of the angels from the cloud tubs. Up there, the vultures fly with the clothes of the dead in their beaks. They're going to dress up the shivering angels in heaven. Shrouds catching fire, flapping their flames like shiny bats, they carry the light into the sun. The citizens now sing new hymns about the glorious necro-sheriff, who rides over the desert on his beautiful coffin, shooting scavenger beetles from his gun. An old phonograph regurgitates burial music as he rides into the sunset. Girls begin to shake from pleasure from seeing the never-wilting, cadaveric rigidness. Bury us so we can be together with our dear one in the other world, the old lovers beg. So the citizens cut out holes, lifting down white tubs into them with the bathing girls. Then they throw dirt on them. Soil clods splash into the bath water. In one of the tub coffins lay the dead horse. White bristle fades into the porcelain and the soapy foam. A young girl presses herself to the bloody animal, and as the soil streams on them, she whispers, Take me away, Gigi. Take me to a place where no dark snakes crawl into our gourds to infect us with knowledge. Take me far, far away where they strip the unlucky cards down from our souls, up to the orange sky where the paint dust of stars is peeling off. What a wonderful burial. If you're snow, you're going to melt from this. Emotional dynamites explode. Boom! A storm cloud roped in front of the saloon vomits thunderbolts into the drinking trough. Flies bow in the stage of wounds. Then they disappear behind the red curtains. What a show it was. So many asses rotting on a fork in hell. Carcass City growls and cries its own face into cactus flowers. The citizens mount a cross in the town's border, nailing the old sheriff to the wood like he was some kind of scarecrow. Please take care of this little town and scare away the villains with your sharp look, they beg. And the star in the corpse's chest begins to shine. Far in the desert, a couple of bandits fall into the sand blindly from its light. So the months pass, then the years. New winds arrive from the desert, one after the other, whipping the old houses. The attics crackle painfully. Storms follow the dry seasons, and the skeleton of the sheriff still hangs on that shaky cross. Again, he can't be dragged down. Doing his work, keeping away the bandits, his empty eye orbits intricate curses on the criminals' heads. The long line of nights like dark domino tiles. A great hand from the sky puts another piece up front, trying not to knock down the others and bring forth doomsday. The stars, the moon, like bubbles stuck in black pubic hair. Again, strange noises are in the air in the old cemetery. Curious children hide behind the gravestones and listen to the bathing ghosts. A steed neighs in the girl's giggle above the ground. You can hear the sound of splashing water as they roll and turn in the tub, their toenails clinking against the enamel.
The Drone Infant by Zoltan Kamor My wife wants a baby, but I'd prefer a remote control drone with HD Wi-Fi camera. So I figure out an intermediate solution. I'll knock up my wife, let her give birth to the child, and after a couple of weeks when she gets bored with this whole motherhood thing, because yeah, I know her too well, it will come to that real soon. I'll build a drone out of the infant. Okay, I'll admit, maybe I should have told my wife a tiny bit about this little plan of mine. Because she doesn't seem too enthusiastic when she finds one day I'm locked in the child's room above the bloody crib, sawing down one-month-old Tiny Tim's bald little head with all my strength and a sharpened electric bread knife. But I believe she'll get over it real soon. True, she locked herself in the wardrobe two days ago, yelling and screaming inarticulately, and yes, she's still in there, hiding between the clothes, but a few hours ago, she stopped making those ugly, gurgling sounds. In fact, she's quite quiet now, so she doesn't bother me so much that I can't focus on properly boiling the bones of little Tim on the gas stove using a big bowl of water. The smell of meat broth fills the kitchen. The whirling bones in the bowl are soon stripped of the softening flesh. Pale little organs rise to the bubbly surface. The stomach emerges too and pops open like a giant pimple, leaking my wife's morning breast milk into the boiling liquid. I realize I should have disemboweled the baby. There's really no need to cook his organs, but oh well, it's no use crying over spilt milk. Using the infant's two tiny palms and feet, I make four little bone propellers, which I then attach to his thighs and upper arm bones. These run into the main structure, the drone body that I fabricated from the child's chest bones and round little skull. After this is done, I install a battery and the GPS inside the bone cabinet, cover the whole construction with the infant's tender flayed skin, and then I crown his little head with a high-resolution camera using a strong electric screwdriver. This whole procedure takes a day and a half, but it's worth it. Tiny Tim turns into a wonderful drone, so now I can film breathtaking HD videos of our residential district from the air. And I can also make a few recordings of that sexy little nudist chick who lives three floors above us and always enjoys the sun on her balcony a la nude. All right, all right, I know what you're thinking right now. Surely I'm not the father of the year just because I sawed my baby's head off. And I use his tiny little corpse to spy on my own neighbor, but believe me, if you could see how nicely the little infant drone flies, you would be simply amazed that I'm the very first person who ever created one. I feel like the king of the residential district as I let tiny buzzing Tim into the air and I turn forward the laptop screen where I can monitor everything that turns up in front of the drone's lens. Soon, the nude neighbor chick appears on my screen. Yep, she's there, laying on her deck chair, not wearing a bikini, her swollen tits gleaming from the suntan oil. But when she notices a dead baby is flying above her, she starts to scream, grabs up a long broom leaned against the railing, and begins to hammer the airborne intruder. I cannot imagine what kind of person is able to hit a one-month-old child with a broom. Anyway, I maneuver Tiny Tim back home with the remote control to assess the damages. Unfortunately, the crazy bitch managed to break off one of the baby's propellers. 
I don't know how I will explain this to my wife that our son has lost one of his hands, but as it turns out, there's no need to worry. When I break down the door of the wardrobe, I find her lying there dead. Somehow, she managed to tear out her long hair and strangle herself with it. I could have just thought that she always overreacts to everything, but as I look at her corpse, I squeeze out a few salty teardrops from my eyes. Then I dismember her body too. Well, not just like that, of course. As it turns out, cutting up a grown-up is much harder work than chopping up a baby. An infant is so fragile, their bones are so soft, and while an electric bread knife is enough to make decent portions out of a baby, it just makes a bloody mess when it comes to a grown-up body. So I use a fire axe, but it's hard work, I can tell you. It takes hours, and my arm and shoulders hurt like hell after I finish. But when I'm done, I portion the pieces into big bowls of water on the gas stove. My plan is to build a much, much bigger drone that cannot be scared away easily with a broom. That way, I can record the hell out of that crazy slut's sweaty little cunt. After a few days, not only Tiny Tim, but also my wife is flying and floating in the room. I'm watching my delightful family. They are so ethereal, airy, and graceful. Like beauteous, bone-and-skin dragonflies. I feel like the king of the residential district as I let my buzzing loved ones into the air. Look at my hard-working little bees carrying the sweet pussy recordings to me like honey. Well, the nudist chick isn't too happy when she sees that this time, not one, but two dead people try to spy on her fucking ass. Her enormous tits sway left and right as she tries to attack my human drones with her broom. The thought that she could break my little son again raises an overwhelming anger wave inside me that carries my brain away. Poor tiny Tim, I had to replace the missing propeller and some bones of my wife. But I won't let that bitch hurt my family again. Oh no. An idea suddenly pops into my head. And I direct my wife's drone body against the girl as she hits the nudist bitch's head real hard. The crazy horde takes a few unbalanced steps backwards but she doesn't have time to hide because Tiny Tim is there right behind her, and he crashes into her nape. This goes on for a while. My wife and my son keep bumping her in turns until the nudist slut can't take it any longer and drops down to the balcony floor, which seemingly hasn't been swept properly in a long time. Fucking whore. Blood oozes out of her damaged skull. I can already see what a neat little drone she's going to be. She's here with us now. Her chopped off and sewn back tits draw her down a bit and make it a bit hard to control the whole flying whore structure, but I think most men would agree big boobs are far more important than aerodynamic stability. She has become a real teat drone, and when my wife doesn't watch, I pour suntan oil on her giant breasts, and while I'm at it, I begin to tease her cold nipples using my tongue. Unfortunately... The wife drone always buzzes around me, humming jealousy. But apart from this, we're living a nice, quiet, cozy life. My little family drones croon around me happily, and I'm their proud and fair queen bee. They record me from every angle. And when the sun goes down and the clouds turn into angry blood blisters above the city, the dear skeleton drones, like angels, rise to the sky and begin to circle around the area with their gleaming lenses. They are searching for new drone components. I'm the king of the residential district. The big brother, almost like God. 
Yes, I see them all, all the neighbors, all the trespassers, everyone. And I will not rest till I weave a spider web on the sky made of always curious dead bodies. Zoltan Kamor is 33 years old and lives in Hungary. He writes surreal short stories and is published in several literary magazines such as Horror, Sleaze, and Trash, Drabblecast, The Phantom Drift, Gonlon, Bizarro Central, Bizarro Cast, The Gap Tooth Madness, Holy Shit, Bathroom Reading for Irregular Christians, etc. His first English book titled Flamingos in the Ashtray, 25 Bizarro Short Stories, was released by Burning Bulb Publishing in 2014. His second English book titled Tumor Gin, Tumor Gin, love that, tumor like tumor and gin like the demon genie, gin, tumor gin, was released by Morbid Books in the same year and his third collection, Turd Mummy, was released by Strange House Books in 2016.